All right. Uh, I've got something recording right now. We can edit. I I kind of want to move into a less squeaky chair. Can I do that? Yes. That's going to be a great intro, by the way, too. (laughs) Josh, are you recording on? This uh, conference will now be recorded. Oh, there it is. I was recording. I was recording on a Garage Band, but now we've got recording like in fifteen different places. So yeah, can I just one thing? The worst you could thing you could do is um, not record a podcast because I've had that happen once. <laughs> <laughs> is that? But let's just say I probably don't want to go in there too much more. Is that worse than than having the guests not show up? Uh, yeah, because how do you, like, regurgitate everything you just said in a genuine and authentic way all over again? It's impossible. Fair enough. Well, uh, I think that... Your soul. I guess that's... Wait, a... I, had, I also had... I'll tell them. This interview, and did not press record, and then right after, they go, oh, yeah, so, uh, not press record, and I was like, we are gonna use that, but just blank out that who it was. You, it's gonna be like a, it's gonna be a mariachi uh, overlay over the the name of the podcast. Uh, well, I guess we're here. I guess we're doing this. We're like, we're like ninety seconds into this podcast, and, and clearly, it's the best thing that uh, JT and I have done all morning. So uh, I did a training. Uh, 30-minute workout, so I don't know if this is going to have to top it. Was that a bunch of burpees, or what was the deal? Very popular. How, how many burpees did you do? Uh, star push-ups and burpees were heavy. Wall sits. So, let's talk about our guest, Josh. All right. Welcome, Run Local Podcast. Steph Bruce, thanks for being here. Uh spending some time with uh, JT and myself. If you're just joining us for your very first Run Local podcast, I've got news for you. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Our guest is Steph Bruce. She's based down there uh, just a little bit south of where JT and I are. We'll get into that in just a second. Uh, If you're you're unfamiliar with JT, JT, quick intro of who you are. There's a reason why you lead this podcast, and it's why I'm going to let you you lead this interview. But yeah, my name is JT Service, the founder of Run Local Events, and it's all focused sports. But you're the voice of Run Local, and I feel like the interactions, the questions are always going to be stronger from you. You're the man. You're the man. That's JT passing a lot of the responsibility stuff over to me to make sure that all, this whole thing actually works as 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 planned. Um, hey, before we get into the interview, JT, a couple of uh, run local updates. I know you've been working on some stuff back uh, at the warehouse uh, in social isolation, shelter, whatever it is. Uh, anything that uh, you want to update the, the crew on before we dive in? Well, as uh, a lot of our, our fans and listeners know, the run local events are on pause right now, just like the rest of the event world, uh, with the Shamrock Run going uh, completely virtual. Those, uh, those Shamrock goodies are, are in the mail. Check is in the mail. Uh, Silicon Valley Half is still postponed for now. We're looking for a date this fall, like many other events. Um, you know, Boston Marathon being postponed, London Marathon. The fall is going to be super busy, and that's something I think we can we can talk to Steph about later on. But once we have a date for that Silicon Valley Half Marathon, we will let everyone know. In the meantime, 
our little artists have come up with a fun little sticker pack in iOS. So you can send, send little run local stickers via text message uh, to your heart's delight. That is free on the App Store. Just search run local stickers. Steph, I'll be sending you some of those uh, because, frankly, they're just fun for runners. And Josh, that's all we have in the run local world right yeah, now. I've actually seen the stickers. They're quite hilarious. So they're top-notch, top-notch work by the team there. Hey, and of course, if uh, if you've got some of your stories about what you're doing, how you're keeping sane, um, and how you're connecting with your community virtually, uh, whether you want to share music playlists, stories, whatever the case is, hashtag run local stories on your favorite or least favorite social media platform. I don't care. Just use the hashtag. Use the freaking hashtag. <sighs> For crying out loud, hashtag it. Oh, I mean, what, JT? Enough about enough about you, your business, uh, and in in the kind of local environment. Let's dive into our very special guest. Uh, we've upgraded the podcast. Actually, having someone convinced that they're going to spend some time with us uh, to they chat about what's going on in their lives and also um, kind of the running world at large. So, Steph Bruce, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, JT and Josh. I can honestly say this is the most fun. I've had on a podcast, and I haven't even spoken a word yet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, we can only go downhill from here. Uh, so with that, I know that there we've got some new listeners. Um, in fact, honestly, all of our listeners are new listeners since this is a brand new podcast. Um, but one of the things that we thought we would do is we've got a, a huge bio uh, about your accomplishments and everything you've done uh, over the course of your illustrious career. But uh, can you give maybe our listeners a little bit of uh, some of the, the career highlights from, from your point of view? If Steph Bruce were to interview Steph Bruce, uh, what would you say? How would you intro it? Give us a little bit of the lowdown. Sure. Okay. So my name is Stephanie Bruce, and I'm a professional runner for Hoka Northern Arizona Elite. Um, we are a professional running group based out in Flagstaff, Arizona, started by Ben Rosario and his wife, Jen Rosario. I'm a mother of two boys, Riley and Hudson, who are four and five years old. I have gluten sensitivity and a host full of other food allergies. Um, I have diastasis recti, which means my abs are separated from pregnancy and childbirth. And I'm an advocate for postpartum women and the different struggles that they have gone through either physically, emotionally, um, and I've kind of been trying to figure out what my role is in, I guess, motivating these women, sharing my knowledge with these women. Um, I am a non-Olympian. That is a term no one uses, but it is a fact because it means I've never made an Olympic team um, in my 12-year career of professional running. And I used to think that um, I never wanted to make an Olympic team to define my career because there were so many other things that I could accomplish and the impact that I could leave on the sport. Um, but also deep down, uh, I would like to make an Olympic team one day and those goals are written all over my house. <laughs> um, I would like to win the New York City Marathon one day. That's a big bucket list. And yeah, I think one thing that I have just been um, committed to and really tried to engage myself is bridging the gap between the professional running world and the masses, all the people who are out there 
on the marathon streets with us in the stadiums cheering us on you know behind the tv screens behind the phones um if we didn't have fans we wouldn't have a sport and sometimes i think some professional runners maybe forget that and then the other part of me is a entrepreneur um, i helped co-found picky bars which is an energy bar company gluten and dairy free with lauren fleshman and jesse thomas and we we pretty much started that because both Lauren and I were at a point in our careers where when we were injured, we were like, well, what else is there? You know, if you can't do the sport that you love and it's your job, besides just watching Netflix all day, there has to be something more. And I think starting that company over 10 years ago kind of like planted a little seed in my brain of, hey, could I train, but also like make an impact on the world or the impact of people around me. And so since then, I just, I guess you could say I'm a little crazy with my, I have ideas all the time. I want to start so many different companies and so many different things, but sometimes I'm held back by how to actually do it. Um, I'm very fearless in the things that I want to do, but uh, yeah, I guess having more time and having just more, um, yeah, more the ability to figure out how to like implement those ideas that are in my head. Well, see, JT, this is why we don't do the bios or the intros, because that was, that was fantastic. You know, Steph, what, that was unrehearsed too, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the, the thing that, that sticks out of all of those wonderful things that you talked about is you didn't mention really any of your running accomplishments. And uh, although the fact I think you're a two-time national champion, is that right? Yep. Yeah. Two-time national champion. Um, you just finished as sixth at the U.S. Olympic Trials uh, just a, just a handful of weeks ago. Uh, so you've got a laundry list of fantastic accomplishments. But the thing that is is most impressive is that you know that's that's just a, a sliver of who you are, right? And you've got all these other things that are that are happening around you. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about what was what how that all ties together with some of the running that you've, that you've done um, and some of the accomplishments that you have. But when I was looking through all of the things that you've done over the course of your career, you know, it was, I think 22nd place at uh, world cross in, in 2017, uh, you, in 2018, you won the 10 K championships at Peachtree, And then 2019, uh, you really just kind of set uh, your career on fire a bit uh, and started crushing everything uh, ran, you know, what was it, fifteen forty-four indoors? Uh, then ran again at World Cross. Um, so all of this stuff was like really compressed. Is it seems like there was a big buildup, right, uh, up until about 2018, 2019, and everything started to to click together. Was there something that uh, that that kind of came together for you that made those the, the like the last three four years really this? I mean, honestly, it was, it was pretty magical. It was pretty outstanding. It was super fun to watch from afar. Um, but what kind of fell into place or what what's, was sort of happening over the last four years that made it all possible? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a combination of factors. I think before I had children, you know, the early part of my professional career, like 2012 and 2013, like a lot of people forgot, like I was pretty good at running then. Um, I was... I didn't have any national titles, but I was second a handful of times at the uh, 10K champs. I was third at the 15K road champs. Um, I was third at the Honolulu Marathon, 15th at Boston. So there were performances that were, I guess, like 
on the national scene and on the level that were to say that I was like moving in the right direction. Um, but because I hadn't run track very much, I didn't really have track times and sometimes track times define you a little bit as a runner since I hadn't won a national title. I wasn't an NCAA champ. So there were a lot of things that because of my past, they never really like built a resume where I guess I was talked about very much. Um, and then obviously I chose to start a family in 2013 with uh, my sights set on the 2016 Olympic marathon trials and kind of thought, okay, that maybe like that's my time. I, I knew the marathon was probably my event. I had run 229 uh, in 2011. And so I thought, um, you know, I should be in that conversation of a handful of women. And then I had my first son, Riley, in 2014. And we thought I had the perfect amount of time, you know, to get ready for 2016. And then when I was six months postpartum, I was trying to get back into running. And I just kind of felt like garbage. I didn't have very much energy. And I was running times and practices. And even in like a handful of races where Coach Ben was like, yikes, kind of bad. <laughs> I thought it wouldn't take you this long, you know, to get back. And truthfully, I was like, yeah, you were kind of right. I didn't think it would take this long. Um, but then I found out I was pregnant. Uh, so that all made sense. Why I essentially sucking <laughs> running, you know, those first couple of months. Um, and that was difficult at first because I had planned on having one child and getting back uh, for 2016. And so now I was six months postpartum pregnant and so I was going to have a 15 month old and then a newborn um, at the same time and uh, it kind of turned my world upside down a little bit and really made me look at okay I believe everything happens for a reason maybe I'm not supposed to like keep pursuing my professional running career um, because why else would you have two babies that close together and then I think just what happened is I, part of things that have happened in my life I refuse to believe that um, that was the end I just persevered, didn't want to give up, took the time that I needed to get back. Um, I didn't rush back. I was fortunate that my sponsors, you know, paid me during pregnancy, gave me some extra cushion and never pressured me to get back out there. And so honestly, I just had about three years of consistent training, no real big injuries. You know, I didn't miss more than probably a handful of days running for three to four years. And then when you fast forward to 2018 it was just a matter of like time it was a matter of time for me to finally like put all the work I've been doing and now the results kind of were showing yeah that's fantastic it's great I mean I, I love the fact that it's it, it's this piece of resilience that I think a lot of us just need to hear uh, especially right now when folks are trying to understand like well what are we going to be able to do um, what's the work that we need to do for a race that might not <laughs> actually occur uh, uh, right now. You know, I think uh, one of the things that, that when we're thinking about this resilience and that you maybe touched on it a little bit is this idea of, of support, right? You're talking about, I, I know that Ben, your husband, um, I'm sure has been super supportive of everything that you've done uh, in other interviews. Uh, you've got the, 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 the young boys at home, I'm sure, who fired up to see mom out there crushing things. Um, but you've also got like this, this wonderful team uh, that's 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 out there um that you see i would assume every day right you're going to run with someone almost every day from the team um which brings us a bit to this idea of of accomplishment um kind of through through others 
right? And I know that, that the Olympic trials have just, just happened and you ran a fantastic race. Uh, I watched it. JT watched it. We're all yelling, you know, at this, at the computer or at the TV, uh, encouraging you on. Uh, and you had one of your teammates perform, I'd say fairly well, right? I would say. Yeah, fairly well. <laughs> Uh, what is, what, you know, that experience, knowing that you've all kind of gone through a very similar process together, um, what was it like for you uh, to, to have that accomplishment happen for the larger community that, that, that you're in? I mean, it was huge. We, uh, you know, when this group started, Ben was committed to making a true professional running group. You know, he wasn't developing athletes. He was like, I'm taking athletes that are already at a high level and we're trying to put them on Olympic teams, put them on world teams, you know, podium at world marathon majors, win world marathon majors. And uh, in before 2016, we made a mission statement and it said, I believe that we will go. And um, nobody made the team in 2016. And then the work that we all did from 2016 2020 I mean we all believe that it would be a failure if we didn't put someone on the Olympic team um it's it's a privilege that we got to that point that it was going to be a failure you know if we didn't do that um because we had such high standards for ourselves and the workload that we all put in and the belief in ourselves um and focus commitment to us so you know to be able to deliver on the day when there's so many eyeballs lots of pressure internal external um, the only better case scenario was uh, we went one, two, three. And, yeah. and honestly, Colin, Alphine, and I, like, we talked about that in practice. We were like, I know it seems crazy and the odds are totally stacked against us, but we believe that we could be one, two, three, you know, on the day. And um, I guess the, the next best thing was one of us winning, which was Alphine. And then, yeah, I guess me having one of my better marathons. And then um, Kellen being able to rally for eighth place after kind of a not-so-ideal last couple of weeks for herself. Um, yeah, it was super special. And we believed on the men's side we could have someone on that team. And they didn't have the day that they all wanted. But, you know, everyone fought really hard to, to put whatever result out. Yeah. And, and JT and I talk a lot about this idea of, of – community, not just as a team, but community at large. And I think one of the things, and, and I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of the insights on, on the philosophy of what's going on with the team, but it makes me think of uh, how do we relate to that as individuals who are also non-Olympians, um, <laughs> but, but just out there, you know, kind of running local 10K, local half marathons, and what the community means to, uh, you know, to all of us that are out there. And one of the things is, is really about how important it is to have uh, the events to culminate all the training, but it's almost more important, at least from my perspective, to have the, the process be enjoyable and, and fun and communal as well. Um, so setting the trials aside, that was you know two hours and 25, two hours and 30 minutes of your life. There's so much that built up to that. What happens uh, in the day-to-day uh, with you and the, and the team? Like, how do you interact? How do you stay motivated? There's ups and downs. There's backs and forths, all of that stuff. Can you give us a little behind the, the scenes on, on what it means to be part of the team? Yeah. Um, I mean, if I could share a little before when I was talking about, like, what it meant for us to get there. And you talked about community. I kind of miss saying 
flag that and like how much that oh. community was so behind us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot of different ways where obviously the community supports us and I coach our, um, we have a team run flag staff and then we have a kids run flag staff program and I help coach the kids run flag staff program every Tuesday. Um, and because our community is small, you know, we see a lot of our runners out there and a few weeks before the trials, um, I remember there was something um, that Let's Run had put out, like all these different predictions and it's totally understandable. They put like Bruce's chance, 5% of making the team. And I didn't feel slighted. I mean, compared to all the other women, my credentials in the marathon were not that high. So that was fine with me. And I was going out for a second run. Um, yeah, this was like three weeks before. And I was about a mile away from my house on Lake Mary Road. And a lady is running towards me. And she just stops. And so I, I naturally stop. And she <laughs> takes off her gloves. And she goes to shake my hand. And she says, uh, 5% chance is better than a 0% chance. We're rooting for you. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm crying on my run. But it was, it was the most, like, when you don't think you're making an impact on people or you don't think that as a pro sharing your stories makes a difference, like, that one interaction was like, how many other people are there out there that never get to see you and never get to shake your hand? And for me, that was just that, that showed exactly the impact, you know, that like we can have on people on such a global scale. Yeah. That, that's an awesome story. I mean, everybody who runs a marathon is still running 26.2, whether they're doing it in six hours or, you know, two hours, whatever the case is, right? It's still the so same you're distance. saying there's a chance. <laughs> I am. I am. I think that the, one of the, the interesting things, I'm going to come back to... Uh, yeah, I totally thwarted your question. No, no, no. I, no, it was a terrible question, by the way. It was a much better story. question was terrible. <laughs> but one of the things that, that stuck out at me with the, uh, the the trials was that there were a lot of qualifiers. Uh, by a lot, I mean a lot of qualifiers. And there was some, you know... I got to be honest with you. There was a bit of backlash um, around it being the, like the the standard, especially for women. Maybe the standard was off for some way, and I don't feel that at all. I think the more the merrier. Let's let people experience something that has such a significant value and such a, a wonderful opportunity to kind of express all the all, all the joy that running brings to them. But it's, Steph, from your perspective, you've obviously got. Uh, aspirations beyond just the trials but can you tell us a little bit what it was like in the vibe uh, of just getting to the start line with all these fantastic women um and and the sheer size and magnitude of the of the event yeah i mean atlanta track club did a fantastic job i think i look back on my they didn't make one error i don't think anything was missed that whole weekend um and the amount of communication that they were doing leading up to the trials, like they, no stone was left unturned. Um, so Elizabeth Stanislaus and Jay Holder and Rich Knott, I mean, their team was fantastic. I got to work with them a little bit, you know, when I ran Petrie a few years ago. So I knew they were going to do a great job. Um, yeah, I think what, what kind of the trials showed is that, um, you know, when you put standards out there, people are going to try to rise up and meet them. And does that mean we should lower them? Perhaps because then hopefully you just are encouraging people to just keep rising and meeting standards. I mean, that's how it's worked in track and field. Like our Olympic standards have been going down. Our 
standards to get into USAs and to NCAs, and people are rising to the occasion. Um, so I think that's fantastic. And the energy of it was, was overwhelming. I mean, I run a handful of major marathons, and it honestly, because of the crowds and how many, it like rivaled that of New York City Marathon. It, it just, it was deafening at times, and the hair on my arms was standing up, and I had to do the best I could to just like block it all out and block out all the cheers. And, you know, they were even like saying like, oh, please don't come up and ask for like autographs for people like right before the race because you're in the tent with a lot of wow. women who are fans of other women. Um, so it was just oh. this like, yeah, this really interesting mix. Um, but it was very cool to hear all the different stories of women coming back from pregnancy or um, there were a couple of pregnant women that ran the race, you know. So it's just showing that like the world is expanding to, um, you know, what women are trying to do and able to do. Um, and that's, that was super encouraging. I think on the other side of it, which people don't talk about as, as much, but I'd be remiss because as a professional runner, like this is my job. And sometimes people don't want to talk about the money, but it, that's the reality. You know, you can talk about it with NBA and football players, you know, the only probably like, I guess negative would be because of the bigger numbers, what had to happen is they had to cut prize money down and then they cut down where it went to. So it actually only went to eighth place, um, which is, pretty significant when you're looking at like this was the major marathon that we run in the spring and you're not getting appearance fees because it is a u.s trials so essentially like a lot of the top people are losing out on appearance fees and then you have someone who 10th place at the trials is phenomenal run and that person made zero dollars yeah you know um it, it's this balance of appreciating everything that the Atlanta Track Club does and expanding it to more women and more opportunities, but also realizing, you know, it is the career for a lot of these people and it, it is cutting down on that aspect yeah. in one regard. Yeah. And that's, and that's tough too, as we kind of look at the reshifting of this, of the, of the fall marathon schedule as well. So you miss out on a, a, a pretty big opportunity to run the trials, um, by opportunity, I mean like payday, right? Like you could possibly be running another major marathon and pick up, um, appearance fees and things, things like that in a different format in the spring. But if you make the team in the Olympics, I don't believe that there's any appearance fee for going to the games, um, that I, that I know of. There might, there might be some from USATF, right? Yeah. people who make the team so that in some way it doesn't make up for the loss of appearance fee but it is a nice cushion on top of that yeah. sometimes that's publicly sometimes it's not but then of course when you make the team your stock goes way up so then after the game you really cash in on that yeah so i'm more looking at those people who didn't make the team that have really solid runs they probably made the least amount of money and arguably had some of their better performances like at the trials yeah yeah that's i mean that's yeah. gonna be yeah. tough i I think that's really interesting stuff. I think that's a really interesting perspective. I think there's an operational uh, perspective as well of like, think about the bottles. Like, were bottles too confusing for the top 20, top 25, because we're providing bottle service for 450 or something like that? Like, are people making race strategy changes because of that as well? So for us, it was fairly smooth, I would say. I believe... um, the way they actually started the race is they had the top 15 seeds and then they had kind of a corral. I mean, you started right after, but we were up front and then they did our bottles accordingly. So they had our tables. So essentially there were only, I believe, 
uh, four bottles on each table, you know. And so for me, I was my bib number and then first seed, uh, first position. So that was pretty seamless. I did notice, and maybe this was me, like, over overthinking it, but I noticed, like, Des Linden was drinking at the start, and I'm like, Oh, that gangster's gonna skip the bottle station because she knows how. <laughs> and then I kept being like, "Yep," and she would like make a move at the bottle station. So I like just knowing her, and I'm like, "That's what she's doing. Pretty savvy move." Right. Um, so I think for us, we were in an okay position, but definitely like as you started to trickle down, that probably got pretty difficult for a lot of people. chaos. Yeah. yeah, JT. What did you have uh, when you ran the trials? Did you 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 had the bottles out there, right? That was the that was the first had, time when everybody had bottles. Yeah, we had the bottles. Yeah, and they they probably provided it for the A and B team B B qualifiers, such as myself. Um, I'm almost a C qualifier at that point. Yeah, but you gave us bottles. But, <laughs> Which, but what was amazing for Atlanta Track Club was them. I think did they fly everyone out and put everyone up? Um, so they had options. At first they said they were going to do that, but then they pretty much asked you to pick between your flight and your hotel. Mm. Because they probably realized as the numbers kept growing of who was qualifying, it was becoming you know a, a huge yeah. financial overhaul. Got it. I know we're getting into the weeds here, the finances of, of Olympic trials, and it was well, overall yeah. an amazing, yeah, positive experience so cool for us to watch i know we have a mutual friend peter abraham who went out there and said it was the most powerful marathon he's ever seen seeing all those women on the line hearing the stories of how they got there and then also what it can mean for u.s distance running going forward because it does feel like people at least on a micro level are following these stories and you and your contemporaries that's kind of the elites of the elites even more closely than ever i think through social and i think you do a great job of creating that community and i wonder i mean how much time are you putting into this in terms of strategy and in what you're putting into your instagram account and your blog posts and team bruce the run camp and all those pieces yeah you know i think about i don't know maybe maybe a year ago maybe even two years ago when i was starting to like run better but things weren't um quite coming together but I also realized well I can't train any harder I can't do more miles do more workouts so it was almost like I just had to do the training and let time you know take its course for me to get better so when I had you know the three to four hours during the day where I'm just essentially recovering at home and my kids are at daycare I'm like well why would I just watch movies like and waste my time so that's when I started to kind of have a little more of content strategy and I started following Gary V. Not sure if you guys know who he is. He yeah. is uh, amazing, and he just tells it like it is. And, yeah, he, he pretty much tells you, like, don't care about the people who are either, like, making fun of what you're doing or scolding what you're doing because sometimes they wish they were doing the same thing, you know? And um, it was a little different path than maybe a couple other fellow professional runners because I was sharing some more personal things about my life and my family and my postpartum journey. But the more I did it, the more I realized how much it resonated with other people. And that was so powerful and how humans crave connection that it just feels like I would not be doing my job as a pro runner, as a human, like if I wasn't sharing all of this. And so I don't have a, quite a content schedule that's like okay on Tuesday you do this but I definitely like plot out things when I'm looking at okay what content am I giving just the running nerds what content am I giving like the moms who are following me the people who follow me 
because of picky bars or my food allergies. Um, I'm, I'm try to, I try to be pretty strategic about how I'm doing that, how I'm giving back to my sponsors, you know, and just realizing that, you know, the more you do, the more you give, the more you get back. And so it's this like great cycle of feeling like you're contributing to what seems like, especially through all this right now, yes, running is such a small part of the world. And I know it doesn't matter amongst all this, but people still have their day-to-day lives and they need to get through it somehow. And if you can provide a little bit of inspiration, motivation, um, you know, then I go to bed at night thinking, okay, like I've, I've done a little part of what I can to, to give back. Yeah. You know, Steph, I, I think that's, that's awesome. And JT, I know that you agree with like the give love, get love uh, approach. Um, but, yeah, it's tattooed on my left and right thigh, so I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's actually not a joke. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I find really, really interesting is that, that I actually think it is a big deal uh, to maintain some sort of sense of normalcy and connection with people. Um, in, in running is one way to do that, whether it's connecting with yourself and kind of like centering and kind of I, I deciding like, okay, look, I can get through this. Um, running is something that I can rely on. I can still go outside and exercise, even if you're in California and everything is on like total lockdown. Um, but that aside, the real question I had is this idea of like the larger community. So Steph, if you were uh, to, you know, to make a pitch to someone about Flagstaff, like how would you sell them on that? Just the entire environment. I've never been, um, so, but I'm thinking about it. Maybe not, not maybe not permanently, but you know, maybe I'm on the edge. Who knows? Uh, how would you How would you sell me on Flagstaff? Yeah, uh, sometimes I would compare it to like remember the TV show Cheers. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, where everybody knows your name. Yeah. I it, the Flagstaff feels a little bit like that. You know, it's bigger than just your mountain town like Mammoth. We have more than one store. We have more than one school. But the longer you live in Flagstaff, and I've been here um, 10 years now, you just run into people that you're like, oh, yeah, hey, Susie, my kid goes to Seacrest. And then you see them at Diablo Burger, you know, and then you you feel like you run into them on the trails or you're attending church on Sunday and you're like, I didn't know that you went here. So it just, there's definitely this interconnectedness um, that I think is unique and why that's so cool is then you start to have people become invested in what other people are doing. So because I'm a runner um, and when I go eat at Pizza Cletta, which is this um, awesome uh, pizza Italian pizza place, which I can't have pizza, but I can have a salad and wine there. Um, the owner, Caleb Schiff, he is an ultra runner. And so you start thinking, okay, I'm connected to Caleb because I'm a runner, but now I want his business to grow. So anytime I have runners that come in town who are going to train here, I'm like, you should go to Pizza Cleta. And then you just start like uh, connecting people and then you're connecting businesses and you're just trying to like build each other up in a way. Um, and yeah, that may happen in other cities, but that's something that's so unique and people genuinely have this love for Flagstaff that you will see kids from college coming here and spending the summer and training. And then two years later, like they moved here. I, I can, I can tell like a handful of people who have come here for a month or six weeks 
and then they live here permanently now, and then they met their future husband or their future wife here. Um, and I think that's so rare and unique. And if you just look at the physical part of it, I mean, it's a beautiful town with the aspen trees that we have. We have all four seasons. Um, we just got a foot of snow last night, and, you know, you wake up amidst, amidst chaos right now, but it's so beautiful, and we build Olaf from Frozen 2 out in our front yard. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like, it, I don't know, it's um, it feels like a bubble, like we live in a little bit of this bubble of a town, but because we do that, everyone is, like, there for each other in a heartbeat, you know, when you need things in this town. And, um, yeah, it's a very active town. And everyone is committed to health and wellness and kind of looking out for the, the greater good of the environment and what our impact could be, let's say, on the United States and, you know, on the world level. Uh, that sounds that sounds pretty awesome. And JT, sounds that, pretty special. that's, I mean, that's kind of the vibe that you've been talking about with the, with the, uh, the whole general idea about run local, like connecting mm-hmm. back to the community and how you're able to... Uh, sort of like bring it all back and, and center it around, around that. What, what, uh, talking with Steph, like what are some of the things that you've, you've learned you want to bring back to uh, run local with what she said? I mean, for me, it's a lot of it's the team, right? That's, and I think Steph, if people don't know at home, Steph and I ran together at UC Santa Barbara. Oh, oh we're going to get to that. Um, we're going to get to that. Don't you worry. Oh, we are. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the, the foundation is that team, right? Like it becomes team. The, a bigger word for team is community. So there's no reason why, you know, Flagstaff isn't like a huge team in a way and why you're every community and in every place that, you know, run local or our, our philosophy can go is supporting each other. And it's about business or it's about, you know, moms and dads uh, going, going for a run, but running being just a connector for all these different pieces. It's not just about the elites. It's about every single person in those communities. So for me, it's, it's not so, I mean, yes, the, Steph continues to teach me things when, when I talk to her, but it's more of like a validation that, that we're on the right, the right path that we're local to continue making these connections. Um, so for me, it's been fun to shut up and listen for once, um, which is really rare for everybody. So Steph, you've known JT. How rare is that? You've known JT for, you know, quite a few years at this point. Let's not start adding up the decades because I'm right there with you, but, uh, (laughs) We've known JT for a while. How rare is it for him to listen? <laughs> it's fairly rare, but <laughs> I, met, I met JT two thousand two, maybe, and um, I think what's cool, and I don't know, if this is like sharing too much, but like I was a freshman, and you had all these like seniors on the team, like um, Monaco and BG. And I just remember like being invited over to their house because I was like, these guys are so cool and I was so comfortable with them. And then in the midst of like things that go on in the world, you look back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, what an idiot I was. I was <laughs> just this freshman girl <laughs> that went over to these guys' houses. Maybe not that safe, but it was, it, honestly, it was such a, because would I tell my daughter to use that? Probably not. But what like a testament to like what true like men they were that I felt so comfortable doing that. And I think that kind of sealed the bond of like, yeah, I could be friends with this guy like for the rest of my life. Um, so much so that he introduced me to my husband and he was the, uh, one of the MCs at our wedding. So we have a really like unique friendship, but what I have seen grow in time is JT's ability to not talk as much and to, <laughs> I, you know, 
we passed each other in, a, in the airport um, a few months ago. And I just had like a random question about like females and women in business. And I, and I asked his opinion and he honestly was like, instead of just going into a huge spiel, he's like, I'm not really sure, but that is a really great, great question. Let me sit on that and get back to you, you know? So he has, yeah. um, I want to tell you all these things and just talk your ear off to, I'm going to listen to what you have to say, think on it and then get back to you. Yeah. Have you gotten back to her? No, I'm in. I'm super busy. Uh, stuff. Uh, I swear I'm thinking about it. Uh, but I am a new age. I'm a new age man. And, and for the record, I had a girlfriend uh, when we were inviting you over. So I, I, I you guys actually had girlfriends, but still, they were they were the creeps. I was essentially a chaperone. <laughs> and I'm still chaperoning you to this day. Um, uh, special shout out. I, I do want to mention this. I, I don't know why if it has anything to do with it, but I was talking to coach Dolan, um, our, our mutual coach, and we were surfing six months ago, something like that. And we were just talking about the people who are still running Scott Smith, uh, who's also on NAZ elite with Steph. And then we were talking about Steph and he goes, I talked to, he, he mentioned a story with Stephanie about how she has found a new place and a new level to deal with pain than he had ever heard of. So essentially, Coach Dolan told me to my face that Steph is the toughest runner he's ever coached in his life. And not only did that break my heart, because I thought I was, but I was also, I was in full agreement. Um, And I think it's a testament to what Steph's created uh, in her running life, but also in business and as a mom, and I'm sure as a wife, because it can't be easy being married to Ben and any Cal Poly alum. But She's just tough as nails, Josh. And I've been saving that. That should have been in the intro. Uh, uh, is that is that our extra right here? Is that is that yeah. we just like put a bow on this at this point? What else is there to say? I think so. Yeah. Nothing. Ste- I'm listening. She's tough. You're too afraid to go on video because you look like you look. And, uh, <laughs> this that's is a great way to end episode two. Well, it seems like it's a wrap. Uh, well, Steph, huge thanks for being a part of. I don't know really what this is, but, uh, yeah, thanks for spending the time with us. Um, we're looking forward to following whatever's next for you. Uh, can you give us a little sneak peek on, on what's around the corner for you, whether that's life, business, yeah, maybe, maybe a couple of writing things, who cares? Yeah. Um, first, can I just say thank you for having me and, and honestly having the, um, balls to start something like this because the balls with the ovaries because I think so many people out there think that what they have to say or their impact you know isn't good enough because they don't have this platform or this many followers and it you know what I've learned is good content versus amazing content is better than no content so for people out there like should I just start something yeah like just pull the trigger the things that I've done in my life is because I'm like hey I want to start a running camp and I did it eight weeks later and I was like seven months pregnant you know so there are things sometimes you just have to be less afraid of if it's going to fall on deaf ears you have to start somewhere um so that is my outro message honestly I don't really know what's on the horizon given what's going on right now um I had plans to get get back on the track and try to make the Olympic team in the 10,000 this summer. I'm not sure if that's an option. Um, We were going to 
train hard again with Kellen and Alphine, help Alphine get ready for Tokyo and the marathon. Don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I have a fall marathon in the works. Can't tell you guys that. Also don't know if that's going to happen. So um, it's really unknown right now. So what I'm trying to do is what are the things that I can control? I can still keep giving back in the ways that I do on a daily basis. I'm actually enjoying more time at home with my children because I I sort of uh, ignored them for the last three months when I was training for Atlanta and Ben held up a lot of the uh, household. So I'm trying to do more things around the house, um, things that have just been on the to-do list for a very long time, trying to find ways to like give back to the people who need it um, right now. It feels very overwhelming because we don't feel that affected by it. And so I'm like, okay, do I just give all my money to everyone who needs it? I know that. That's not sustainable, you know, but um, I'm seeing people, like, give back in those ways. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, how to do my part right now while also having fun, while also watching guys on Twitter um, have a glass of wine who's quarantined and cheers in the mirror, pretending he's having... (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And he goes, thank you for coming, thank you for coming. And it's like, this is him. Yeah, so I'm still having, I've always had humor in my life. And I think through tra- tragedy and through, you know, hardships that you deal with, humor is the best thing. If you can just take yourself a little bit less serious, um, you know, you will find the silver lining and the positive through things. Well, uh, thanks a ton for being on uh, the show. I'm throwing up the, the quotes here. Um so use that term lightly. But if folks want to follow you and, and hear what's what's going on in your world, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can follow any of my handles, Instagram handle, Steph Rothstein, Twitter, Steph Rothstein. I need to change all those to Steph Bruce. I'm not sure why I haven't. I'm now. I should. Still testing this um, out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I have a Facebook page, Steph Rothstein Bruce. My website is uh, stephbruce.com. Uh, you can find me at Picky Bars, and then of course our team NAZElite.com. But yeah, I'm available anywhere, anytime, and my ear is always open for people. Awesome, that's great. Hey Steph, uh, I think that's the great last message is is that we can all use a little bit of Steph Rostein, Steph Bruce resilience right now, uh, going through quarantines and, and viruses. And I think if we had that and a little lighthearted laughter, we're gonna we're gonna get through. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, Run Local Podcast number two is in the books. We're eventually going to publish this. Or not. Who knows? I think I pushed record. Yeah. Uh, That is actually a wrap. All right. I'm going to stop recording at some point here. (laughs)